Well, it's wonderful to see you this morning. Are you glad to be here? What a blessing to be able to be at church and just to worship together. God is so good. We are in the book of John still. We're in chapter 11, the third sermon out of chapter 11. And I've just entitled it, The Lazarus Lesson. And we'll look at verses 28 through 44. You know, one thing is true. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. That's inevitable. But we learned some lessons from Lazarus that we can take through our lives. And I want us to look at those today. Last week we talked about making comebacks when you have setbacks. And uh, this week we're going to look at, I think, uh, one of the most powerful passages in Scripture. It's only two words. It's John 11.35, Jesus wept. And we'll look at that shortly. But let's stand now and let's read the Word of God, starting in verse number 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Now, if you remember, Martha ran to meet Jesus, and Mary stayed behind. It was common for them to stay in their home for seven days, and that was a time of mourning. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up and quickly and quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And if you know the story of Mary, she's constantly at the feet of Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And then they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes on, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. Heavenly Father, I pray that we might learn the lessons that Jesus wants us to understand today concerning Lazarus. And Father, I thank you that Jesus is all-powerful. He is all-present. He is all-knowing. And Father, I thank you that he came to give life to each and every one of us who will call upon his name. And I pray today, Father, that if there's anyone here who does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, today they would enter into a personal relationship with him and experience freedom and be loosed and let go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, when it says in John eleven thirty five that Jesus wept, what it's saying there, it's showing his humanity. It's showing that he is 100% man as well as 100% God. And as we think about that, there's two reasons, I believe, that Jesus wept there that day. The first was because he loved Martha and Mary, and their hearts were broken. And when you are with someone who's lost a family member, and you love them, your heart breaks for them. And often you will weep with them. But I think there's also a second reason he was crying. He was also crying because he recognized the fact that Lazarus had been in heaven four days. And he knew that he was bringing him back to earth where there is sickness and pain and sorrow and death. And he realized that in all reality he was not doing Lazarus a favor. I think each and every one of us if we were to be in heaven, the last thing we would want to do is be back on earth. Because every tear is wiped away. And hope is given afresh and anew. One of the New Testament scholars that I admire the most is Warren Wearsby. And Warren Wearsby wrote this concerning this. The experience of Lazarus is a good illustration of what happens to a sinner when he trusts the Savior. Lazarus was dead, and all sinners are dead. He was decayed because death and decay go together. Lazarus was raised from the dead by the power of God, and all who trust Christ have been given new life and lifted out of the graveyard of sin. Lazarus was set free from the grave clothes and given new liberty. Because of the great change in Lazarus, many people desired to see him, and his living witness was used by God to bring people to salvation. What a beautiful illustration of what salvation is. Because when we are born again into the family of God, God uses that to bring others into a relationship with Him because of our testimony. They see a changed life and they recognize the fact that they too can experience a changed life. So there's 
Three things I want you to see today. The first one is this. Dead, and that is a picture of a lost person. Dead. There was only one thing wrong with Lazarus. He was physically dead. He no longer had breath in his lungs. He no longer had blood coursing through his veins. He no longer had spirit within him. But Lazarus wasn't there. He was gone. You see, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one moment after we cease breathing and our heart stops, we immediately go into the very presence of God. And what an incredible blessing that is, knowing that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We no longer experience pain, suffering, and sorrow. Just as God is a triune being, so we too are triune being. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. And because of that, God has created us in His image. But when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and give Him our heart, the Bible says that we move from death to life. We were like Lazarus, dead. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, And verse number 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And the incredible thing is, we move from death to life. That moment that we call upon the name of the Lord and he comes into our life and he forgives us of all of our sins. Until that happens, you are spiritually dead. You have no spiritual life within you. It's possible to be physically alive and spiritually dead at the same moment. I heard the story many years ago of the past pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church prior to Adrian Rogers being there. His name was R.G. Lee. And R.G. Lee witnessed to this man, this businessman that he was a close friend to over and over and over again. And one day, as he were passing him by on the street, he used these words. He said, hello, corpse. And the man said to him, what, what did you say to me? He said, I said, hello, corpse. He said, well, why do you say that? He said, because you are a dead man walking. And it hit him between the eyes, and that businessman cried out to Christ and became a living spiritual being that very day. And we need to recognize, we meet people all the time, or people within our own families, and they are dead men and women walking. And they need the life of Christ. They need within them the Spirit of God. And until that happens, they are separated from God and spiritually dead. Some here listening to my voice or maybe out listening on YouTube or live stream or whatever device they're listening by. You may be listening to my voice today and be physically alive but spiritually dead. And you need to cry out to Christ, Lord, come into my life. Your heart can be beating. Your blood can be coursing. Your lungs can be inflating. But you can be spiritually dead. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus is the source of eternal life. We read that Jesus raised three people from the dead during his ministry. You remember the story of the raising of Jairus. You remember the story of the raising of the, the widow's son at Nain as they were carrying his casket, weeping because that was her only son. And then we read the story of the raising of Lazarus. And Jesus raised them from the dead. But the problem was every single one of them would die again. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been dead four minutes, four hours, or four days. Dead is dead. And they experienced death. Now, you may say, well, which one was the deadest? The one four hours, four minutes, or four days? They were equally dead. (laughs) Equally dead because dead is dead. And dead has no life. Now, many people commit a lot of acts of kindness... And they hope their acts of kindness will give them the opportunity to experience heaven. But it does not matter how many good deeds you do. It only matters that you give your life to Christ. And once you give your life to Christ, then automatically the fruits of the Spirit come. But often too many people get the cart before the horse. They think they have to do good deeds and then... They experience eternal life. And that's just not true. That's false. Jesus alone can give life. Secondly, the second picture of Lazarus that we get is defeated. A Christian can be in bondage to the past. And I've known a lot of Christians who are in bondage to the past. When Lazarus came out of that tomb, he was wrapped in grave clothes. His Life was physically restored immediately, but still he was confined. Uh, The corruption was gone immediately. But that body that was coming out of the tomb, remember what I said last week? He was wrapped up. And because he was wrapped up, he couldn't walk out. He had to hop out. And once he came out of that tomb, he was loosed and let go. And many people, they still are believers, but they are living in the past, if you will. And they need to come out of their grave clothes. Uh, Label these Christians carnal Christians. And that term comes from Corinthians. And we have in 1 Corinthians 3.1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now, the interesting word that we get there for carnal Christians is sakarios, which means to be living according to the flesh. And it means that, that even though that you have been born again, you continue to have these sinful desires and you give over these sinful desires over and over and over. And what happens is we need to come to Christ and say, Lord, remove the grave clothes. Remove my grave clothes because I am living a carnal life. And a lot of people are still entangled in that. 
And uh, there's a couple of ways that we know that someone's a carnal Christian. Number one, a carnal Christian can't walk consistently. And we're told throughout the Gospels and we're told throughout the Epistles that we are to walk worthy, that we're to have a consistent walk, that we are to walk in Christ. And over and over, we're, we're talk, it's talked about our walk and how our walk should be. The mummified Lazarus could not walk. He needed to be loosed. He needed to be freed. He needed to be let go. And our reference here about walking means that we should walk consistently. It's a progressive walk. It means that each and every day that we're walking consistently in Christ, that we're growing in our faith, that we are becoming closer to Christ and not farther away. You know, every Bible that you get that you should write in the front of your Bible, these words, I need to walk worthy. I need to walk worthy. Because we need constant reminders, don't we? We need constant reminders because so often we fail. Are you spending time with the Lord? Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Are you walking worthy? Are you living your life? Do you demonstrate by your lifestyle that you're a follower of Christ? That you're totally sold out? That you love Him? Are there some grave clothes that you wear that need to be removed? And if so, be free today. Loose and let go. The second point of being carnal is carnal Christians can't talk correctly. You know what I mean by that? They can't talk correctly. You can't watch a television program today without hearing cursing, can you? I mean, you, you just can't. You can't watch a movie without cursing. I heard a man who went in 1940 when the movie that first said the curse word, remember what it was? Gone with the wind. And at the very end of that, he said in that room, there was an audible gasp when that word was used. Now, you hear those words and much, much worse, don't you? It's appalling. Christians should have a different vocabulary. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. (laughs) I read this story of uh, two pastors that was in a revival and 
the old pastor was dried up, thin, 70-ish. And his friend was a young pastor, and they were behind these other two construction workers at the McDonald's. And one of the construction workers just kept on saying filthy things over and over and over. And a little dried up pastor tapped him on the shoulder and he asked him this question. He said, are you going to eat with that same filthy mouth that you're talking out of? You know, sometimes maybe we need to be a little more bold. We need to get rid of that dirty talk throw away those grave clothes. The third thing I want to share with you that we can learn from this story is delivered a dangerous, a dynamic witness for Jesus. You think about it. When Lazarus was loosed from his grave clothes, he became quite dangerous. In fact, he became so dangerous, a good dangerous now, so dangerous that his enemies became the same enemies that Jesus had, the religious leaders, because they wanted to kill him too, because of his testimony, because of his witness. And in fact, in John chapter 12, they, we have this party, and Lazarus is there, Jesus is there, Martha and Mary are there. And in John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, it says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came... Now watch what it says. Not only for Jesus' sake, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away, and they did what? They believed in Jesus. Wow. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? If... Your changed life caused many people to go away and believe in Jesus because they saw you and they saw your testimony. Jesus gave Lazarus life and he enjoyed fellowship. You know, some people think the Christian life is like living a funeral, but it's more like a feast. The Christian life is a blessing, it is not a burden. And he, Jesus, invites the lostness of this world to come to him. So examine your spiritual condition. And let me ask you two questions as we conclude. Are you freed from your old thought patterns and habits? Are you freed from your old thought patterns and habits? Have all the stinking grave clothes of your life been removed. When you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, did you keep the same old habits in your life? Or were you transformed by the renewing of His Spirit in your life? Have you and are you living by the perspective of the Word of God? Don't let your worldview be dictated by CNN or Fox. Let your worldview be dictated by the Word of God and follow through with that. 
the ministry of the church isn't only to call people out of the tomb of spiritual darkness, but it's also to free them, to unwrap them, and make them dangerous disciples for the kingdom of God. And lastly, are you dangerous to the devil's work? Are you dangerous to the devil's work? Say, what do you mean by that? Well, the FBI keeps a list of the ten most dangerous criminals. Would you be on the devil's list? Would you be on any list? In Acts chapter 19, there's this story. These Paul was preaching, people were being saved, and lives were being changed. And these seven sorcerers were following him. And he was doing everything in the name of Jesus. And it says to them, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not the Jesus we know. Also there were seven sons of Sika, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? You know, we need the devil to know our name. Because we love the Lord so much and make such a difference for his kingdom. And the point of the story there is the demon knew Jesus. The demon recognized the name of Paul. And Paul was so dangerous for the devil that he was known in hell. Are you sold out for the Lord? Let me tell you something. If you are, you're going to see some lives transformed. But I'm going to tell you what else you're going to see. You're going to see some people come against you. Not everybody will be happy. And not everybody will be pleased that you came to Christ. But I can share this with you. When you come to Christ and you are loosed and you are let go, you will be transformed. And you will be changed forever. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray today you would come. If you still have some habits and thoughts and language and such you need to rid yourself of, I pray you would come and pray about that. I pray that we would have revival and God would change hearts and lives. Heavenly Father, may your will be done. Thank you for Lazarus. Thank you for Jesus raising him from the dead, showing again with that, I am the resurrection and the life that he truly, truly is God in the flesh. And Father, I pray for transformation of lives, revival in our church, revival in our nation, revival in our world. In Christ's name I pray, amen.